When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner here back again. Quarterbacks, done. Wide receivers, done. We move the projection series on to the running backs. You got today and Monday where we are going to cover all 65 of the running backs that Jamie uh, has has projected and ranked for this season. We're going to go through the tiers just like we've done each of the last two position groups. All of this information is available over at thedraftnetwork.com. At least the tiers are. And Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong here as we start the show. The actual breakdown of the numbers for quarterbacks and wide receivers is now up on the draftnetwork.com. So people can not only look at the tier list that you've put together, but also the actual breakdown of these projections and these numbers. That is correct. And then the following Monday, uh, this following Monday, after you listen to us, you will have the running back projections and the following Wednesday, the tight end projections. Um, and then obviously, as we've teased, we are, if you're listening to this on the day, it drops on Wednesday, the 16th. We are 11 days away from the top 200 reveal show so uh that will be as we said the month of june is going to be projections rankings heavy uh if you haven't already started thinking deep into your fantasy draft strategy you better start quickly because once training camps get going fantasy season gets going yeah jamie that's you and i right on that uh that show in 11 days the top 200 yes. show that we are that we are doing where we are going to reveal uh, your top 200 players we'll break them down and uh, that should be a lot of fun uh so 11 days from now all right guys uh i don't know how many conversations we're going to have here same thing with the wide receiver conversation there's just so many names for us to go through so who knows uh where this show will take us but we'll start with the tier eight guys a a 
a lengthier list. Jamie, you kind of described this in the story as the official handcuffed here. So not a lot of guys that are going to probably immediately crack your starting lineup, but guys where if you have the starter in these in these certain teams, you're going to take these handcuff options. I'll read them to you guys. 65, Sonny Michelle, Kenneth Gainwell, 64, uh, Larry Roundtree, the third at 63, Marlon Mack, 62, Benny Snell, 61, Joshua Kelly, 60, Daryl Williams, 59, Chuba Hubbard, 58, Rashad Penny, 57, uh, Javion Hawkins, 56, Philip Lindsay, 55, Daryl Henderson, 54, and Alexander Madison at 53. Uh, Jake, first of all, welcome back to the show. We missed you on Monday, buddy. Uh, Thank you, boys. Anybody here in this Tier 8 group that you want to immediately uh, discuss with Jamie? I'm going to go with one guy that's outside of that tier, number 66, and Giovanni Bernard, as our boy Stephen Shea likes to say. Uh, That wasn't as good as he does it, but uh, I think he's going to be higher than this. You got him at like 29 catches. They love this guy. He hadn't been there very long. You got to learn the offense. You got to get that that chemistry with Brady. But apparently, everything I'm here, true pro, picks it up quick. True third down guy. Playoff Lenny was that third down guy, but I think they're still searching for that James White role in this offense for Brady. I think he's going to go downfield a lot more than he's going to dump it off. But I still think I, I have him a lot more than 29 carries. I think I have him more in flex territory. I, I, I like where you have him now because it's very conservative. Is that somebody you're keeping an eye on, James? Yeah, he's somebody I'm watching. My only concern is going to be he's still the third back there, no matter what ends up happening, barring an injury, of course. So I kind of want to see how he fits into that offense, how often he's used, what that role looks like. Um, You know, I I think everybody last year, and he's in a different headspace, different physical space than LaShawn McCoy, but I think people just flocked to McCoy around this time last year into in sort of that role. Um, so, yeah, I'm a little bit conservative for that estimation. Obviously, if Fournette or Ronald Jones miss significant time, you know, they, they neither one, then you have a, especially if it's Fournette for any period of time, you know, Bernard's role would increase exponentially. So he's somebody I'm watching there, but not somebody that I'm necessarily going into draft saying I have to leave with him. What if he ends up being the third down two minute guy? I, I'm not going to know that answer until we're already past drafts. Because everybody thought that was going to be McCoy too, so like, not everybody. I think he could be, but I will have to see. I like it. I like it. Uh, anybody else, Jake, here in tier eight that you want to talk about? So, by the way, the, we hit the Jake bingo. We went off the board. We didn't talk about a player in the tier that we were mentioning, and it was a Bucks player that we talked about. Yeah. So the Jake bingo card take your, take your with, with my free space. I'm too away from getting bingo here on the show. It's great. I'm trying to help people out here. I'm trying to help people no, out. It, here. It's. It's worth bringing up because we, you know, where I cut the list off at 65 because it's, you know, cutting it off at five is is a nice number there. But I mean, Bernard would be in this tier as well if we went a little bit longer than this. So, you know, the reality for this tier, for the most part, of they're not players you're going to be, you're not drafting that you're expecting to play anytime soon. You're drafting either as a handcuff to a player you have on your roster or as to try to basically steal somebody else's handcuff and going, I'm going to keep a spot on my bench for what happens if something happens to Dalvin Cook. What happens if Cam Akers gets banged up again? What happens if David Johnson gets injured? Mike Davis gets hurt. Chris Carson always misses a couple games here or there. You know, what if McCaffrey has a back-to-back injury playing year? Like, that's what you start to look at some of these players here in that, like Madison, Henderson, Lindsey, Hawkins, Penny, Hubbard range. Um, that's kind of what you're looking for with these players. Same thing with the Benny Snells and the Marlon Max of the world, where you're going to need an injury in front of them for them to be fantasy relevant. But if there is an injury in front of them 
and the player misses multiple weeks, they're going to be very relevant, at least in that short period of time. And they're going to be better than any player you're going to find on the waiver wire when they get those spots. So that's kind of where these players lie. And I would say defer to your own personal handcuff strategy. Some people love to handcuff their own guys or handcuff their top backs. Some people like to handcuff other people's top backs and just happen to have an injury history and say, you know what? Just because I don't have a Dalvin Cook, for example, or just because I don't have, you know, a Chris Carson doesn't mean I can't take their handcuff and take advantage if and when they miss time. So there's two I like here, Chris. One is Truba Hubbard, who I've mentioned a bunch this spring. Yes. I think he's more capable to be Christian McCaffrey-like than Mike Davis was if Christian McCaffrey misses time. Catches it better. He's got to stay healthy. He has his own big injury history. He has to carry the load. That would scare me, but it could get you through – very Mike Davis-esque. Mike Davis was really, really solid last year for a while. McCaffrey went, got hurt. The other one's Philip Lindsay. David Johnson's always got something going on. I think they're going to love this kid. Apparently, they want to run the ball, establish the run. That requires you to play defense. I'm not sure they can handle that part. But, uh, you know, Philip Lindsay, guy that runs his tail off. I was surprised he never had an injury history of his own until really last year. But you know David Johnson's going to miss some time. So if you're going to go that route and you're going to go David Johnson high, if you don't get any value on him, I think Philip Lindsay's the guy you can grab later on because David Johnson's going to miss some time. And I think Philip Lindsay can fill in really, really well. There. Although they and have Phillip, what, 18 running backs and no receivers. Yeah, but at that point, like, look, Mark Ingram's not a thing. I'm sorry. Like, right. it's, it's over. So I, I'm not that worried about him. Um, and, and who else did they bring in? They brought in some other random back that most recently that I'm not. Uh, Rex Burkhead. Yeah. Not really worried about him either. The Philip Lindsay one's interesting because I think there's also going to be a chip on his shoulder because I think he got a raw deal in Denver. Like, I don't know what more he could have done in Denver to deserve a spot. And they looked like every step of the way they were just going to undercut him fairly or unfairly. That's just not some, that's not for me to determine, but uh, in my estimation, got a pretty, pretty raw deal, you know, goes there overperforms as an undrafted free agent. They decided to take a ton of money and pay it to Melvin Gordon, then trade up in the second round to draft Javante Williams, basically say, yeah, hit the bricks, kid. I I don't really know what more he could have done there. Uh, I mean, he's playing for a chance to be a starter somewhere else next season. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do there uh, if David Johnson misses time. I mean, the other one is the ultimate handcuff and Alexander Madison, who's been really good on his own own right without being handcuffed last couple of years. Daryl Henderson's interesting to me, Jamie. Yes, we both are high on Cam Akers, and we think he's taken over the role. But Darren Henderson went healthy, and that offense has been really good at times. So if you're going to go high on Cam Akers like we both are, that's probably not a bad one either to throw late round, have sitting there. Uh, man, he's if he plays, he's he's proven when he's healthy, he could be solid too. My thought on those two before we move on, Chris. One with Henderson, there is still a non-zero chance he gets more work than we think. Uh, I think, and I just something we have to consider. Like, I still think Cam Akers is going to be the bell cow there. That looked the way they used him late last year. I've seen no reason why he's not going to be that player. But there's at least a chance that Dale Henderson is a little bit more of a thorn in Cam Akers' uh, fantasy manager side than we would have liked. So he's somebody that's going to be interesting. Madison, he's got to not be injured the same games Dalvin Cook is injured. Like, the, I think that's kind of been the frustrating thing. Is like, and the, especially last year, like. The time's like, okay, no, it, it's Alexander Madison's time, and he's banged up too. So, again, he's still a worthy handcuff because when he's healthy, he looks really good on a run-first offense and all of that. But he's just he, he and Dalvin Cook can't miss the same games, and, and that seems to be, that seems to have happened a couple times over the last couple of years. 
Uh, moving in to tier seven, as we got a bunch of names there in tier eight to discuss. Uh, 52, Salvan Ahmed. 51, Tony Pollard. 50, Zach Moss. 49, Wayne Gallman. 48, Javante Williams. 47, A.J. Dillon. 46, Gus Edwards. And 45, Tariq Cohen. And the place that I want to start, Jamie, is I don't necessarily remember where you had Tariq Cohen before you made the Bears projections changes that you did. We if talked he, about on Monday. He moved up a couple spots. Did he move? He, did he move from tier eight to tier seven, or was he always in this tier seven? Is the way I, is, um, I guess the question I'm asking. I think he might have moved up from tier eight. Okay. Like I think I, I don't remember exactly where I had him. Um, I know he moved up a handful of spots, but yeah, he moved up a little bit more just because of, of that conversation. And I, I, I'm not sure uh, to clue and Jake on this. We talked a little bit on Monday. I had missed in the uh, the heat of draft season that Matt Nagy has taken play calling back from Bill Lazor. I, I obviously missed that as well. <laughs> so uh, I had to adjust my Bears rankings because, again, the offense is both of those uh, play callers operated. You want to put three Cohen in tier three now? I know that you know that. <laughs> Well, I got to see what comes back, back from that, from from that injury first. Play. But uh, it's so uh, he moved up uh, into this tier a little bit. The other, for me, the big the big name that I have like bolded starred of player that has a real chance to shoot up here is Javante Williams. Williams. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's I think the stuff coming out of Denver's camp now has been much ado about nothing. And, and we live in this world where every time with the, I, I don't want to mention them because I think they're a valuable resource and I don't want to come off as being disrespectful, but there are certain outlets um, that anytime any coach or any beat writer says something, they make a headline out of it. And I understand why they do it. And it's a useful resource to kind of see what the buzz is. But I think people read into this narrative. Um, one Denver Broncos beat writer made a comment that he thought Javante Williams might be the starter week one because Melvin Gordon hasn't been in OTAs yet. And that all of a sudden becomes a headline of Javante Williams is going to be the Broncos week one starter. Did you pay attention to half the league not showing up to OTAs? Correct. Come so on. that's why you have to kind of do another dig into some of these headlines uh, because th th those buzzy things get out there. Uh, but if Javante Williams is extremely talented back, I love him. And like, as I've talked about on the show before, I think his 2022 uh, value is going to be massive. But I still think he's going to be behind Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon is a more than capable and probably underrated at this point in his career running back the way people talk about him since he's left uh, San Diego slash Los Angeles. So, uh, But he's somebody at least keeping an eye on because the rest of this tier, as I kind of described it in the column of the quote, Better than a pure handcuff, but you kind of sort of need someone to get hurt or benched to really feel good about playing them. And that's Man, kind of where we are here. Man, to me, this, this tier is really interesting. Tony Pollard, according to every running back and every team, is running routes. But that's interesting because he can actually do it. He was better than Zeke a lot of times last year. Zach Moss filled in really, really good for Singletary at times in Buffalo. Wayne Gallman, superstar when he gets to play. He was great last year. New team, new place. A.J. Dillon, if something happens, Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. That one's really interesting. They apparently love the thunder thighs of this kid that we talk about all the time. Doesn't mean jack shit for fantasy, but apparently it means something to Green Bay Packer fans. Gus Edwards, that contract said a lot to me, Jamie. You're going to give Gus Edwards two years, $10 million. That means he's still a thing. He's going to take some time away. They're going to run it a ton, so that's okay. He's going to get some carries anyway. But he's really, really good when he gets to play. Damian Harris, is he the starter in New England? Hell, I don't know. But this tier is... Really interesting. There's a, there's some big names that if they get to play, they've all put up numbers. They're all really – you know what I like about this tier? They're all solid pros at this point. They they have their role. They fit in. If they need to take more more time, more carries, more catches, they can. The big one that shoots out is James Robinson was top 10 
before the draft. Yeah, and that, that's up in the next tier. Yeah, tier we get six to, uh, it's another bingo space. Jake jumping Jake, tiers. I, I'm, I'm one away. Again. I am one away from bingo. I'm not looking at my tiers. I am one away from bingo here on the show. Cannot wait. Uh, so, no, before, before, hold on. Before we get into that next tier, because I wanted to have a James Robinson conversation. Do we think Gus Edwards gets a majority of the red zone touches? Is that where we think his his role is more than likely? I think he's going to get a lot of touches. Like, I mean, here's the thing. He's not going to catch many passes. And if, and as we're talking a full PPR, that's what's going to hurt him. But I haven't projected to get uh, 154 carries. Like, he's going to get work. Like, he's going to get a – like, we're going to see a closer to – I think on a, we talk on a per-carry basis, we're going to see a lot closer to a 50-50 share than people think. And, and and I I made this argument last year. I'll make it again. Gus Edwards is a thing, and but it's going that, to hurt J.K. Dobbins' that, value. Doesn't that mean he's going to have to? I, both of those guys, J.K. Dobbins, who I think we'll get to at some point here, maybe on today's show or, or Monday's show, that they're going to have to get into the end zone in order to be valuable. If it's going to be a very fifty-fifty kind of split, and so that's why I asked the question of when we get down into the red zone, who are those opportunities going to go to? I, I still think it. Well, it depends on the drive. Like they're not, they don't have a quote unquote goal line red zone back. It's going to depend on the drive, the flow, what kind of offense they're operating in. Like J.K. Dobbins had that ridiculous touchdown streak to end last year. Uh, I, and look, the reality is J.K. Dobbins is going to score more touchdowns than Gus Edwards if they're both healthy. They, I right. don't, I don't have any qualms about that. You know, the, the Gus Edwards thing, he's going to be that guy where like he's got a weird ranking in this spot right here because he's going to get you seven, eight points every single week. You just might not get many 15-point games. Like he's, He might not start many games for you, but dude's going to be consistent and get work every single week, and you just have to acknowledge that at some point. That contract told you so. Yes. Right. And everything that they've done since he's been on the team has told you so. Yep. Again, it goes back to what you would like to happen versus what actually happens. The big conversation we had last offseason, Gus Edwards is going to be a thing, period, end of story. And by the way, has deserved to be that. He's been successful when given the opportunity. Tier six, James Robinson at 44, Trey Sermon at 43, Damian Harris at 42, Jamal Williams 41, Kenyon Drake 40, James Conner 39, Latavius Murray 38, James White 37, Tevin Coleman 36, Devin Singletary uh, 35, J.D. McKissick 34. And this is now where we can have that James Robinson conversation. And, and, and Jamie, this, this has to hurt. This has to hurt deep inside for you. I'm, I'm so bad. Th look, this is probably low. Not probably, it is low. I'll admit that. The reality is, though, they didn't take Travis no, Etienne in the first round not to use him. He's a third down back. They no, they, they, re they really like his ability to be a, a third down. And he's a receiver. That's a great point by Jake. Receiver and third down back. So I don't know what you're worried about here, Jamie. Look, uh, uh, I'm worried about work for James Jobs. And look, he's going to get carries. Like I have him, I still have him in my projections about getting 140 touches. It's not like he's going to be completely relegated, but his value was he was a workhorse and got targets and did a little bit of everything last year, which made him a, a clear RB1. That workload is not going to be there for him. Like Travis Etienne is going to get work. Carlos Hyde's going to get a little bit. I'm not as worried about Carlos Hyde stealing as much work, but. The, the majority of the work is still going to end up going, at least in the majority of the fantasy value, particularly in PPR, is going to go to Travis Etienne. James Robinson is still going to have value. If Etienne gets hurt, all of a sudden James Robinson shoots way up into, into the conversation of a must-start on a weekly basis because that he has shown he can be that dump-off guy. But this goes back to the, the philosophy of, of what's happening right now. If that coaching staff believed in James Robinson, you don't spend a first-round pick on a running back. 
Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what I believe. You don't spend a first round pick on a running back if you believe in the running back you have on your roster. And this is a different coaching staff than where James Robinson had success last year. I, I wouldn't have done what they did, but I'm not running the Jags. Not my decision to make. They didn't they take ETN did to not play him. Right, they did it, so now you have to adjust accordingly, right? Just because like, we like, don't think it was the right decision doesn't mean that we can't now. We have to adjust James Robinson accordingly. And also, like, understand the philosophy of what they just did. Aside from, obviously, the biggest advantage in the NFL is having a, a great quarterback on a rookie contract. But a smaller but decent advantage is having a great running back as a UDFA. You didn't spend any capital on him. You spent nothing to get James Robinson. You went the complete other way. And I know you had two first-round picks. I get it. But you still spent a first-round pick, a top 25 pick on a running back. You don't do that to just, oh, let's see. Let's let's ease Travis Etienne in. Also, let's be realistic. If Look, there's going to be a comfort zone level with the quarterback, running back, on dumb downs, all of that fun stuff. It is what it is. Like I, I'm, I'm sad for James Robinson, but I have to deal with the reality of what this Jacksonville Jaguars team is right now. And they have told us, that James Robinson is not going to be the lead back there. Can I tell you the guy in this tier that I really like? That I, Jamie, you, I think, referred to it in the previous tier that you have in in, in bold, and it's just sticking out. You guys know, and I think we've discussed this plenty of times, man, Trey Sermon in San Francisco. I'm all over this. I'm yeah. all over this. I'll be I'm on not. an island by myself on this one. I'm fine with that. I'm glad that Jamie came to the dark side when I said that, when he actually looked at how many guys are there, even though Wilson got hurt. It's going to take more injuries than that. Now, they the only thing worse than New England's running back room is San Francisco's running back room. Yeah. On uh, trying to pick which guy is going to be. And a rookie. Sermon and Mostert and, and Wayne Gallman. And then Wilson's going to come back at some point. And Elijah Mitchell. Like, there's a lot of names there. And look, Sermon's not going to catch passes. No. Like, he's not. And yeah, that's it, where Mostert it, gets all his value. That's where Jeffrey yeah. Wilson like, gets by. Those little dump off screens that they take for 40 to the house. Like, I have him here right now with Trey Sermon at a little over eight points, fantasy points per game, with 172 carries. I think that's generous. And I'm still, that's as high as I could put him. Like, he's I just agree wholeheartedly. You're, you're, this, you don't catch passes. You have a low ceiling for the most part. Like, there are a couple guys that can then can peek their head through the Derrick Henry is the Nick Chubbs of the world. But if you don't catch passes, there's really only so high you can go, and you're in a timeshare. And I don't well, think you're the lead in that timeshare. No. And there's no there's no actual stat for this, but it feels like Mostert scores like the extended red zone. The 35, they throw a screen pass. He takes it to the house. That's a lot of his value. Wilson started doing that as well. Hand it off on a draw from the 25 just outside the red zone. They score touchdowns. I'm not sure he's in in that situation. He's still no. a rookie. Like that one, I don't know. The guy I want to point out is James White. I think it's high. They spent all this capital this offseason to run, to go 12 personnel, two tight ends, to have these receivers out there. He was a non-factor with Cam last year. Are we assuming that Mac's taking over and that he's well, going to be dumping it off a little bit? Well, I also look like part of the issue, too, with, with James White last year is I don't think he was quite as bad as people thought. He ended up missing – he missed some time, uh, I believe, what his, his father passed away midseason, yeah. and, and he missed some time with that. But his actual like target share, despite how terrible that offense was, wasn't horrible. I'm trying to pull it up right now because I was a little surprised with how high that I had James White here. 
uh, as well. But they well. didn't go to very much last year. I mean, they, they gave those two tight ends a ton of money. They're going to be on the field together a ton, which says they're going to be more play action with one of the other two running backs in Sonny Michelle or Damian Harris. Yeah. So we'll see what ends up being. Like last year, he had a 16.8% target share. And again, it's not a lot when you're talking about what New England's passing game was, but uh, I could see him still having that similar uh, of a target share, um, you know, something uh, something close to it at least. And be, and he'll have a lot more targets if, when, if and when Mac Jones takes over than what we've seen from Cam Newton so far. So again, it's a little bit more volatile because pretty much all his value comes from pass catching, uh, where I have him around as a 60 catch guy. Versus yeah. a guy that's getting about 42 carries. So all of his values essentially coming from the passing game. But he's somebody that I'm intrigued by. If you don't have some of these other guys over him, I just think there's a better chance on a weekly basis that James White, given a matchup scenario, you'll be more likely to start him than maybe some of these other guys on the list in this uh, below him uh, on a weekly basis. Again, depending on the matchup. Jamie, um, would you like to take this opportunity to talk about Jamal Williams? Is that something that you're interested in? Uh, I mean, I- I don't have much more to say about it. No, I just figured I'd give you said. the platform. It's that's your guy. I figured no, I'd allow you I, I have a, a Detroit conversation I want to have when we talk about DeAndre Swift. So okay. I will save that for our, okay. our Monday show because I think people and uh, you spoilers, included, dude. Chris, are – Spoilers that DeAndre Swift's not going to be on today's yeah, show. Yeah, DeAndre Swift on. is not going to be in, in the conversation today. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that you, Christopher, and others are a little too pessimistic on him, uh, and we'll discuss why. Uh, player I do I do want to kind of uh, discuss a little bit here. There's actually three. One of them that I want to discuss is, and you'll like this, Chris, is Tevin Coleman, who apparently is looking, if he's healthy, he looks really good in Jets camp. He's going to have a significant role as a, I think, as the 1B uh, with Michael Carter, who we'll talk about a little bit later. That role I thought was going to go to Michael Pirine, and now Pirine has, I don't think, has played with the starters at all like at any point in this stretch. And Coleman Tevin Coleman has the Yeah, and Coleman knows game. the offense. He has familiarity with the coaching staff. Is and I think they really healthy. like Michael Carter. Oh, yeah. Well, Michael Carter, as you know, has been my pick out of this backfield. So. We'll talk about him. Uh, but there's going to be value here with that another back. You're not going to get 17 games out of Tevin Coleman. But I do think he's a guy that when he starts is going to be somebody you're going to at least look at and say, that might be a flex-worthy player uh, on a weekly basis if he has a decent matchup. That's one. Uh, number two is just kind of remember that um, I know he's not been somebody that's been really fun to own in the last year and a half in fantasy, but I do think where he's going now, there is value in James Conner. Uh, yeah, Chase Edmonds isn't going to be a 20 carry a, a week guy, just not going to happen. Uh, and I think you could see James Conner get some work. I think a less, a lighter workload will probably help his health. I think, uh, I think he's of them, James. I think yes. the best. The best Chase Edmonds is one that doesn't carry a full load. And the best James Conner is one that's spelling Chase Edmonds, staying fresh and not getting the hell beat out of him that he did in Pittsburgh when he was trying to carry too much of a load. I think that's a great point right there. I think both of those guys, it's not really a timeshare. I mean, it kind of is, but I think you get the, the max value out of both of them by doing that. They do different things. And, and I think it's, you know, it'll be an interesting scenario to watch them play. And I think James Conner has a chance to be a, a pretty solid red zone option for them. Like, I think he could be a six, seven touchdowns on the ground type of a player, which, again, whenever you score on a given fantasy week, you're going to be relevant. The last one I want to bring up is, is the top name in this tier, and that's the guy that I the the guy that I surrounded my prop betting brand around last year. It's J.D. McKissick. Why is he outside the top 30? Uh, I still think he's going to get plenty of targets, but he doesn't have Alex Smith there anymore. And Alex Smith was dumping it down to him at a 
stupid pace. That's not going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. I still think McKissick is going to be useful. I think they're going to get really creative with how they use McKissick and Curtis Samuel moving in motion and using them all around. So I still think he's going to be fantasy relevant, but more as a mid-level like potential flex option for you. Not like the RB2 he was for the large part of last season with Alex Smith peppering him with double-digit targets, we felt like every week. Yeah, and Antonio Gibson should be healthier than he was last year yeah. dealing with that toe and some other stuff. Hopefully. In there. Hopefully. There's been some some concern coming out of camp about that toe, which is not ideal. So we'll keep that's something else to keep an eye on as this continues you to linger. I'm big on paying attention to those toes, man. They yep. tend to linger. So keep, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to add some numbers because while you were talking, I pulled some Arizona Cardinals numbers to kind of maybe reinforce your point about James Conner. Kenyon Drake last year in that offense rushed the ball 239 times. He was the lead back. Kyler Murray was the second leading rusher on the team. He carried it 133 times. Chase Edmonds only carried it 97 times. And this is a statistic that I've brought up on the show plenty of times. Chase Edmonds in his career combined has less carries than Kenyon Drake had in all of 2020. It's so, 239. So it's either the Cardinals are going to go all in and they're going to ask Chase Edmonds to carry the ball similarly to the way they asked Kenyon Drake to do it and ask him to carry it close to 240 times. Or to your guys' point, they are going to split it and get James Conner involved. I'm worried it's going to be the former rather than the latter. So I'd uh, rather go 200, 100, and the other guy that doesn't carry it as much as the quarterback. Yes. They would like to do. So to me, here's how I knows what he's doing enough. That's a different story. Here's how I broke down the split in my projections. I, I have Chase Edmonds projected for about 163 carries and James Conner at 134. Like that is what I – not not touches, it's just pure carries. So I would be surprised if Chase Edmonds is, is gets 200 carries. I really would be. If that's the case, I like Conner with some value there. I think he's going to be kind of the forgotten guy that is out of Pittsburgh. People forgot where he's at. He's fallen in drafts. And you go, okay, there's, there's value there, especially this running back – room is not looking like it was last year when I was pounding the table, running back, running back, running back so early because the receivers are so good. Receivers are that good again, if not better, but running backs thinner. Like yeah. to have RB one, RB two value. Whew, you almost have to do it early and then jump off the train and pick up some value late. James Conner is one of those guys you can pick up late. I think. So I said his name. I feel like we need to at least mention him. Can we talk about Kenyon Drake at 40 here, Jamie? We can. This is very clearly a guy who went from a situation where he was the lead back and he was going to get the lion's share of the carries to a situation where I don't know what the Raiders are going to do offensively. Interesting career choice. Well, yes, it, yes that that that's part of it. But I also like we've had a few Raiders, of those this offseason. Yeah, the rate. <laughs> excuse me. We talked about him the other day. Um, he he goes there, and clearly the Raiders by signing him to that two-year contract, they have a vision for what they want him to do. But does that vision mean that they're not going to use Josh Jacobs the way that they they have in years past? Like, that's the confusion I have is I just don't know what this is going to look like. It's almost the same situation, right, Jamie? I mean, they, they got me feeling like they've used Jacobs too much because he keeps getting the shit beat out of him, breaking down, get somebody that can spell him a little bit, but also catches it a little bit better. Yeah, and look, they've been intentional these last two off-seasons. Again, goes back to the conversation of what is happening versus what you'd like to happen. They've been very intentional about two things with Josh Jacobs. One, they don't want him catching the ball on a significant basis. And two, they want to spell him with somebody else, whether it was a combination of Jalen Rashard and Devontae Booker or uh, what was it, uh, DeAndre Washington a couple years ago. Uh, they, they made it clear that they want to use a second back fairly significantly and still give Jacobs plenty of work, but they want to use a second back and they don't really view Jacobs as a premier pass catching threat out of the backfield. 
it's just as simple as that. It, it's They've done this multiple years in a row. This is how they want to operate. That's going to make Drake, at least in the right matchup, fantasy relevant. Like I, I have him projected for around 150 touches um, this year. He's going to get plenty of work. The issue with him is going to be while Jacobs is healthy, is he going to get enough points to cross the threshold to where you want to play him? Like he's going to get points on a weekly basis. He probably has a pretty high floor considering this tier of, of players. But is he going to reach the threshold on a weekly basis that you really want to put him in your lineup? Now, if Josh Jacobs, if and when he misses time, you know, and, and Drake gets an increased workload, all about it. So he's in this like weird spot where you're going to look up at the end of the year and you're going to probably be happy with his total fantasy points relative to where he's being drafted. But it's going to be touch and go on which weeks he's going to score enough to at least be worthy of cracking your lineup. You know, I could see him being a flex play on bye weeks in the right matchup. Uh, let's go to tier five. There's only a couple names here, and that's what we'll wrap up the show with. We'll save tiers four, three, two, and one for Monday's show, kind of keeping in the theme that we've been uh, been doing with these projection series. Tier five, Raheem Mostert, 33, uh, Ronald Jones, 32, Kareem Hunt, 31, Naheem Hines, 30, Leonard Fournette, 29, David Johnson, 28, and Jamie, I think the, the interesting thing here uh, that my takeaway is is two Tampa Bay running backs very close to one another here in tier five. I understand it, right? We saw this last season. You're making the shrug emoji, and I think we're all nodding our heads in agreement that that's kind of the way we look at this, but to see two players on the same team in the same tier uh, grouped this close together, it, it, this is a tough decision for, for fantasy managers if you're deciding between one of these two guys. So I would recommend not doing that. Stay away from having to choose between one of these two guys. This might be worse than New England and San Francisco. Yeah. But it's definitely in the top three is the worst situation for fantasy to try to figure out what the hell is going on. Like I said, you're going to look up at the end of the year and there's going to be value there. But the path that's going to be woven to get to that point is going to be frustrating. Just stick to like quarterbacks and wide receivers and, and, and you'll be fine with the Tampa Bay offense. <laughs> Um, but again, I, I think on a weekly basis, like you're getting two guys here in flex territory that could sneak into the top 25 on a given week, but you're not going to necessarily be sure what week that's going to be. And it might not, it's not even necessarily matchup based. Like if there's just a week where Brady's clicking, they're not taking the ball out of his hands significantly. They're going to be Leonard Fournette weeks. They're going to be, you know, if Ronald Jones gets the ball and fumbles on the second carry of the game, like we've seen a couple times before. You know what I mean? Like, so that that's the frustrating situation for them. Uh, that's kind of why they're in this spot. Um, Raheem Mostert, you just look when he plays, he's going to be at worst flex worthy, but Trey I have Sermon. him projected for 12 games. Like, I don't know Trey how much you're going to get from him. What's up? Trey Sermon ain't just, keep, just keep whispering Trey Sermon into the microphone until, until I convince one of you to be on my side. Not happening. Even the Trey if Sermon Mostert is healthy. He's the dude. Yes. And he's explosive and he's going to be a monster. Question is when is how many he games you get? Yeah, it never, it never happened. Naeem Hines is interesting. Monster year last year. Jonathan Taylor then finishes up the year as the monster, and Naeem Hines is not a thing. He's going to have to be a thing because Jonathan Taylor yeah. can't carry that much of a load if, if the Colts want to get where they're going, and that's deep in the playoffs. So he's got to be a thing, and he's still going to be a third down thing. I think sometimes he's got to yeah, be a I, guy. Yeah, I think he's going to have a. I, I looked at his numbers essentially from one, you know, when Jonathan Taylor took over. He's still going to be a factor. Like, he's still going to be a factor in the passing game. Still somebody I want to have no matter what. Uh, again, a guy that's never probably going to rise above flex level play for you. And there's going to be a lot of weeks where he's just one of the top guys on your bench, but he's definitely worthy of being in this conversation. And then the other person to kind of keep an eye on, they're, they're, the other two, I guess we'll, we'll talk with both these guys in the tier of when healthy David Johnson was productive fantasy wise last year. Different ways than he was without before. catching it, which was so yeah. weird. Yeah. 
it was very strange. Now, new coaching staff, he's not going to play 17 games. I'm just going to say that right now. Spoiler alert, he's not going to play 17 games. But he was really, really productive. He was basically a top 20 fantasy back last year when he played. So somebody to kind of keep an eye on that's that you can get out of value because people are completely writing, understandably so, writing off Houston. And they're not going to be good real-life football, but there's still going to be some fantasy value in different spots on that team. He's a perfect guy that I would love to have on my bench, and I can just kind of pick and choose when I use him, when he's healthy, right matchup sort of a thing, uh, and he might be able to slot into a flex spot. And Kareem Hunt here at 31, I think a lot of people are going to overdraft him based on what his overall finish among running backs was last year, not realizing that how much time did Nick Chubb miss, how much time was involved in those, those rain games. I still think he's going to be a quality player, but while Nick Chubb is healthy, he is nothing more than a flex play. Like that is the scenario and that just kind of where he is. So don't draft him based on where he finished overall last year without considering the other factors that went into him finishing that high. I traded a uh, DeAndre Swift for him, Jamie. You, you were, you were privy to those uh, conversations in which I made that uh, big time acquisition of one for one. No, there was, I got a first round pick in the deal. It was about to say like, that, it was, it was that, that is deal. grossly misrepresenting yes. the deal. No, I, I got a first end Kareem Hunt for, for DeAndre I, I will say this about the Tampa situation though. Ronald Jones was what, 26 yards or something from a thousand yards. If he didn't yeah. hurt, hurt his ankle or whatever it was late in the season, he gets well over that. They're going to be up big in a lot of games. And I think if, if Fournette ends up being the starter because he plays more on third down, that kind of thing, I think you're going to see a fresh Ronald Jones in the fourth quarter a lot. And, you know, the four-minute drill, finishing off some of these games where he's going to get a bunch of carries, that could be somebody that – if Fournette's going to be in the, in the top of people's minds. I just, what I'm saying is yeah. Ronald Jones is going to have some value if he drops because he's going to get a ton of carries. He's still explosive. We had 98 oh, yeah. last year. They're going to give him carries, especially in the second half if they're up. I think they're going to be up big in a lot of games. Yeah, like I have him projected for to miss two games. And so in 15 games, I still have him carrying the ball 200 times and basically for a thousand yards. So like I, I he's going to he's going to get work. Like that's the thing. These guys and this is always a tough part of doing preseason rankings for these types of players of, you know, at the end of the year, you're going to look up and this is kind of where they're going to be, maybe even a little higher than this. But every single week, we're going to have a very tough time back and forth of where we rank them and how comfortable we feel starting these players. And especially when we have the conversation of do we start them or this wide receiver, which then becomes the like, well, this is a feel safer to start this wide receiver off the bench. And, you know, the wide receiver 35 versus the running back 35 and all this kind of conversation where look up at the end of the year, they're both going to have, I think, significant fantasy value. And you're going to look and go, oh, wow, they had pretty decent seasons just on a weekly basis. It's going to be tough to deal with that's part one of the running back projections here on the show we'll be back on monday uh with part two so tiers four three two and one we will get through the top what is this 28 running back 27 27 running back so 27 through one uh we will get to on monday jamie where can everybody follow you on social media follow me at jamie eisner on twitter and at jamie eisner tdn on instagram jake Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Shoe Radio, SCHU Radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN Fantasy. That is where you're going to want to go. Uh, tweet all your questions for the Q&A show. Uh, I mention this every time we do one of these shows because we are doing a final thoughts and a Q&A show. So if there's anything that we haven't discussed here or there's more elaboration that you want at TDN Fantasy on Twitter is where you're going to want to tweet uh, those questions so that we can get to them at, at the end. And then at the draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab is where all of this stuff is 
posted. All of the rankings and the tier lists for all the positions are up. Jamie right now is going back and all of the projections, the math behind all of this is now going up slowly. Uh, and as we mentioned on Monday, the running back numbers are going up. So quarterback and wide receiver, the numbers are up. The running back numbers are going up on Monday. So you have that to look forward to as well. Everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.